Welcome back to this Builder Funnel Radio original mini-series, Sales Mastery for Remodelers and Custom Builders with Brian Kaplan. Brian is a construction business coach who's changing the perspective of remodelers and builders just like you from blue-collar help to professional business owners. Today, we're going to talk about talking to strangers and how to get them to like you. Brian talks about how to use the mirror, finding breadcrumbs, and how to use emotional intelligence to increase your performance in the sales process. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to episode three. We've got another episode of Sales Mastery for Remodelers and Custom Builders with Brian. Brian, welcome back. Awesome to be here once again. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, you know, these mini series, it's like I keep welcoming people back <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> but no, last episode was awesome. We talked about psychology and the, kind of the emotional roller coaster and how to uh, move away from fear in terms of getting your prospect to move away from fear. Today, I know we're going to talk about talking to strangers, you know, and yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of that uh, the first impression. So, what should that look like, I guess? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And the topic of talking to strangers or the title of that is also of a book by Malcolm Gladwell. If you haven't read it, I think that's a great book for people to read. There are some takeaways that inspired a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. But at the same time, I'm looking at talking to strangers in the context of as remodelers and custom home builders, you get that inquiry, right? We get that lead, you know, from our contact us form on our website, or they see our job site sign and they call us, or maybe you're advertising in a local magazine or, or something like that, and they give you a call. Chances are, unless they are kind of like a warm lead, which we would define as someone that's been like referred, or maybe you know we've worked with them in the past, so they're pretty warm, they're going to be a stranger is the reality, right? These people that are contacting you are strangers. And oftentimes, I don't think we give this enough credit to understand that you know, we have to make a very quick impression on them. And there's some subtle things that we're going to talk about a couple today and then a couple in tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow's, uh, the next episode, uh, where we talk about the sales process and we kind of dig in a little bit to some more tactics and things that we can actually implant into our process. But it's really that awareness that these people that we're meeting are strangers. Yeah, it's a good point. And I mean, and today, oftentimes that meeting will be virtually. And, yes. uh, and if it's in person, you know, you, I think the key point that I just pulled out of there is just the awareness and just recognizing the situation that you are in and what it actually means so that you can start to influence it in a positive way. So I guess what are some first steps that people should be taking when trying to make a good first impression? For sure. And and the first and foremost is that we have to just be aware that we have, I mean, there's some studies that say seven seconds. I think it's shortened a little bit in terms of, you know, someone's going to make a very quick decision, whether they, you know, like you or trust you in very short time frame. I mean, it sounds incomprehensible that in somewhere between maybe three and seven seconds that someone's going to make that decision. And whatever first impression you make, you're either going to have to, you can either continue coasting on top of that wave, or you got to climb up that mountain to get there kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. And it's, it's one or the so other. judgy, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> <Three> <laughs> without <seconds>. questions. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But you know, you know, it's, it's, if you just think about your own behaviors, right? Throughout this whole mini series, I keep coming back to this because I think it's most relatable when you can relate to it yourself, right? Just so think about your own behaviors when you, experience something, whether it's an advertisement, it's something you read, it's something you hear, could be even how you're listening to this podcast and you're judging it based on whether it resonates with you, whether you agree with it, whether you disagree with it. So it's not, uh, you know, we say like humans are really judgy, but it's just how we're wired, right? This is how we actually 
you know, go through sort of that decision-making process. And so again, first and foremost, super important that we're aware of this as we're going to dive into in a little bit more depth in the, in the next episode, when we talk about the sales process, I always like to talk about preparation because, you know, and the example I always give is you think about, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bryant. You think about these guys, these guys were obviously gifted physical athletes, right? There's no question about it, but they didn't achieve the greatness that they achieved without two things. First and foremost, everyone needs a coach. Second of all, it was all about preparation, right? It was practice, practice, practice. These guys were the first ones in the gym and the last ones to leave. And even Kobe Bryant, towards the end of his career, being in his 40s, was still doing that. And there was guys there that were half his age that weren't doing that, right? And so it just speaks to the level of preparation. If you want to achieve greatness, it really comes down to being as prepared as possible. You know, I can't remember what the line is. And our friend Kyle had just posted this on social media today about your, I can't remember what it was, but it's like your, the level of achievement is directly related to the, your level of preparedness, something like that. Mm. I think I just butchered that one, but yeah, it's um, close enough. It sounded something good. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, really preparation is kind of key to predicting your results. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And as you were talking about, you mentioned Kobe and I've also just, I'm like right at the tail end of watching the last dance. So this is super timely for me. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I always think about, it's this one story of Kobe and he he like his coach, one of the, one of his coaches at the time, he's in a hotel or whatever. He gets a call and it's Kobe. It's like two or three in the morning. And Kobe's like, Hey, like, let's get some shots in or whatever. Like I'll meet you at the gym at, you know, four or whatever the guy's like, all right, like I'll get up, I'll get ready. I'll get over there. And when he gets there, Kobe's already been there for an hour. He's, he's already made, you know, a couple hundred shots. He's drenched in sweat and you're just going, man, that is next level. And, you know, it looks different in the, in the business world. We're going to talk about (laughs) that, but I always think it's, it's fun to have that comparison to sports and then in thinking about business, because, you can apply those same things and then they just end up looking different, you know, but 100%. It's the same, same concept. So, so what, sure. what steps should we be taking to, to get prepared for, you know, this yeah. first, first impression that we're trying to make here in <laughs> seven sure. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And, you know, in this mini series, we're kind of, we're start the lever starting to move from like very theoretical. And then we're, we're starting to bridge a little bit more into the, you know, actual tactics or literal type of sense. Not to say there wasn't, you know, things that we could take away from the prior two episodes. Hopefully a lot of the concepts that I kind of brought up and we were talking about are things that you'll think about and you'll start to recognize them in people, right? That's kind of the goal of those first two episodes. Today, we're going to start talking a little bit, you know, it's a still awareness, but it's also about kind of what we can do. So when we talk about preparedness, first and foremost, we have to be really aware of who we are. And I think as all entrepreneurs kind of go through is you learn a lot about yourself when you, especially in the sales process, you learn a ton about yourself. And again, right now we're in, you know, the midst of the coronavirus and a lot of people are on zoom and they're doing virtual consults and all of that. And one of the things that you and I talked about when we recorded a podcast a few months ago as well on virtual selling was going back and rewatching your zoom calls. And as I said then, and I'll state again, it's horrifying the first time you do it, but the more that you do it, 
the more prepared you are, the more you learn about yourselves. And so I bring the concept of using the mirror, right? And the mirror is basically being able to walk in front of the mirror and really recognize how we think we project and the words, the phrases, hand gestures, all of those sorts of things, and how we actually project are two different things. Case in point, go rewatch any Zoom videos that you've done with any of your prospects. <laughs> you will not remember it the way that you're watching it. I guarantee you that. So the mirror is super, super crucial. When we talk about being prepared, it's really that first kind of step is being aware of who we are. Yeah, I think that's good. It, it uh, reminds me too. I, I talk a lot about this with not necessarily a Zoom call with a prospect, but recording video. Because in marketing, I'm always mm -hmm. trying to push people to do more video. It's super powerful. <laughs> I recorded my first set of YouTube videos in 2010. And I did one video every day all summer. And wow when I go back and look at them, it is beyond painful. It is so bad. It is so bad. I thought about everybody, taking them down. Everybody stop yeah. this podcast right yeah. now and go to YouTube and find these videos. Yeah, good luck finding them. I, I won't tell you the names, but uh, yeah. no, it's, uh, it's so true because yeah. you, you watch that and you just go, wow. I, like the first thing that I notice is low energy super yeah. low energy. Totally. And, and I think those are the types of things that you'll notice, like what Brian's saying, if you go back and watch some of your own sales meetings, you go, oh, I thought I was more excited than that. Or, you know, <laughs> is that how I really, is that how I really look? So highly recommend you guys take that, that step. For sure. And so when we talk about the mirror also, another thing that, you know, I, I encourage people to always do, and people, people resist me on this one is, just do a simple online personality test, right? You think you know yourself, but sometimes having it reflected to you, again, we're talking more about the mirror here, is really helpful in you identifying who you really are and how what your natural tendencies are going to be. For example, when you talk about doing video, like video is so powerful, as we know, I agree. I'm sure you come up against this objection a lot, but people say things like, oh, I can't find the time or I can't make the time or I don't have this or I don't have that. And it's all these little objections because it's really terrifying to go on video is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and people, some people just say that like, I don't, I'm not comfortable yeah. on video. <laughs> yeah. Complete sidebar. What I'll say is that the sort of the holy sacred emotion that everyone is fearful of is rejection. And that is one of the main reasons why people don't do video. It's why people don't mm -hmm. put themselves out there. And it's why people also have a, a large difficulty in the sales process because they're scared of the rejection part of it. And so we'll talk a little bit Good about point. that, you know, when we come up in the sales process, but you know, that's something to be really cognizant of. So again, it's about the mirror. It's about how do we kind of reflect? So we want to know what our own personality type is, but then when we tie this to the kind of preparation, what is the personality type of the person that you're meeting? right? Again, this is a virtual stranger and sometimes actual virtual, but you know, if you're meeting them in person, like they are a stranger to you. So understanding who they are fundamentally is pretty crucial in terms of being able to kind of meet them where they're at and speak to them in a way that's going to resonate with them. So is there a, a test you mentioned just going and doing a quick test? Is there one that you like in particular and, or is there one that you like where you feel like you can study what the different personalities are and then make it easy for you to try to like guess what your prospect is because you're probably not going to get yeah. them to take a test you know? <laughs> yeah no for sure i mean it'd be great if on your contact test form there was a little link there and you said do me a favor take this personality test before yeah. we uh reach out to you <laughs> but yeah that's that's probably uh you know we always talk about friction in the sales process that's probably adding a little bit too much friction <laughs> yeah myers-briggs test is one that comes to mind you know it does have several I, there's like 16 personality types i believe that are in that test 
which might feel like a lot. And the truth is, is that there's, you could really, there's a bunch of other ones that some of them are like only four types of personalities and eight types. I think it really doesn't matter to, to be honest with you, but sure. Myers-Briggs is a good place to start. It asks you questions. You just go through a series of questions and it helps to give you a four letter code that basically tells you kind of who you are first and foremost, you know, the first letter is an E or an I, right? It's either you're an extrovert or an introvert. And just that simple awareness is really important as well, because there's a lot of salespeople out there. When we talk about, you know, part of the theme of this mini series is about how do you gain confidence in your sales process and in yourself? Well, awareness of who you are first and foremost is really important. So yeah, personality test wise, Myrick Briggs is a great one to start with is what I would recommend people do. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's a good one. I've always done a disc, but I have a couple of team members that really like the Myers-Briggs and they, you know, live by that. So the point is just to do it so you can learn the information. So I guess what are some things that people are probably missing in that first impression when you're trying to learn about your prospect or that stranger? Like what should we be looking for or paying attention to? Yeah. And I think, you know, coming, you know, in line here with the concept of being aware of our own personality and then that of your counterpart or your prospect in the conversation is just being really aware. I always talk about breadcrumbs. And so this is a great concept to just kind of think about. And as again, as I opened up in this you know episode with talking about how we're going from theoretical to literal, again, this is something that as you're sitting now and you're speaking with clients or you're walking through a project with your clients, you're going to start to to recognize this. So just think that they're going to drop little breadcrumbs along the way, right? And so these are little kind of social cues. These are little things, little, you know, kind of unknowns, unknowns, you know, so to speak, that we're going to get to capture and be able to leverage for our own good, right? So when we talk about, you know, connecting emotionally, like we talked about in our last episode, it's about finding out what is really a principle that this person holds high value to, what's really important to them, just generally speaking, what is the outcome that they're really looking for? You know, it's, it's about understanding some of these little social sort of cues and little breadcrumbs that they drop along the way. So, when we try to make this a little bit more tactical, because I, you know, we're talking a little bit more literal, they might say things like, you know, it's really important, like there might be an in-law, you know, that's maybe moving into their home. And so it's important for them to have a safe space for their in-laws, because maybe there's something behind the surface there that's going on. And so uh, maybe there's been an accident, maybe there's some sort of family strife, whatever it is, just trying to unpack that a little bit and understand. And again, people will drop these little breadcrumbs and it's not an opportunity for you to dig right in and say, well, tell me more about that because <laughs> some people don't often want to share. So that's where we get into the topic of a little bit of emotional intelligence on that, of course, but really being aware of the things that people are either saying and also really recognizing the things that they're not saying. I kind of teased this in our last episode is what are people saying without saying any words? And that comes down to kind of positioning and body language. Gotcha. Yeah. And I feel like that, I don't know, is that something that you can, I guess, just teach or, you know, I feel like that, that emotional intelligence subject <laughs> is an interesting one. I feel like a lot of it comes through experience and, and yeah. paying attention and just trying to look beyond the surface. But I guess, yeah, are there for any, sure. it, for somebody that's gone, eh, I don't know if I've, maybe I don't feel like I've got a natural read on people, you know, are yeah. there, what should they be looking for? Yeah. I would, I would say that, you know, it's an old adage, but they say great salespeople will talk 20% of the time and listen 80% of the time. And that's something that I think is really, really critical. So if you can really just observe a lot more than you speak, you can use, you know, direct eye contact and really without sort of laser beam, you know, focus into someone's eyes, but, you know, appropriate eye contact, as we always say, and just really observe 
and, and listen and try to hear, you know, there's a difference between listening and hearing is, you know, people will start to drop these things. And I think a lot of the times it's because we're in a rush, right? We're in a rush in our sales process. We're in a rush in our marketing. I get this all the time where people are just trying to put up social media posts because they feel like they need to show up there every day or every couple of days. And sometimes it's just about rushing through things. But if you try to slow it down, I mean, as coaches, we're always trying to tell our, you know, contractors, remodelers, builders, slow down a little bit, take the time to qualify your prospects and learn about them and make sure there's a mutual fit before you just try to keep the guys busy, which is what a typical line I think we all hear. So just the simple fact of trying to listen more than you speak is a real crucial one. And just really trying to be observant, go into it as kind of like, we always say, when you go into a sales meeting, release attachment to the yes. Yes, you're there. Your goal is to sign this client, right? But try to play the doctor a little bit. Try to find, diagnose what the problems are, diagnose what the pains are, what those fears and desires are. Because these are all these little emotional sort of building blocks that we can use, these little breadcrumbs as well, that we can use to our own advantage as we walk somebody through that emotional journey. That's really good. Those are helpful tips, I feel like. And you hear that too a lot in sales, like listen more than you speak. But I think this yeah. adds the the context behind why, you know, why it ends up being so powerful is it gives you the opportunity to watch. And the more they're talking, the more you have that opportunity to read them and kind of see how, how their body language is, where they get excited, where they maybe have a little bit of that fear because you can, you're just listening and you're paying attention to tonality and, and all those different things. So for sure. Uh, Cause people like, people like to say that they have a great poker face. You ask anybody listening to this and they say, well, I have a great poker face. Yeah. I can go to Vegas and sit at the big boy table and, and, you know, not give away my hand. But the truth is very few people in this world have the ability to mask their emotions hundred percent. And so, you know, again, just slowing it down and being observant and listening more than you speak is, you know, kind of that why part is like, that's kind of what's really important there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, I would imagine some of this ties into to where this person is in the buying process or that journey, you know, whether they're just, sure. they just watched a bunch of HGTV and they called you <laughs> up or if they're a little bit further along. Um, I guess, how does that play into all of this? For sure. And, you know, again, this is, you know, today, this, this topic, this episode is really, the subtext here is really this concept of emotional intelligence. And, and really what it comes down to is, you know, is being observant in when we're in those meetings, but when we first kind of experience or get connected with somebody, we're trying to quickly diagnose, again, playing the doctor, where are they in the buying process, right? And, you know, Spencer, you and I have talked about this a lot, right? We've done a bunch of spots together talking about this. And I think oftentimes, you know, it's like dating, right? When you meet somebody, whether you meet them online or at a bar, maybe not at a bar these days, but you know, you meet them somewhere, you don't ask them if they want to get married right away. And ultimately, maybe they did want to get married, but maybe they don't kind of thing. We don't know where they are in their journey. And so same sort of thing when we're talking about remodeling or building a custom home, the reality is, is that people might be in that awareness phase and they could be there for one to three years. We have no idea, but you can't go in thinking that you're going to sell every single person. So that's, again, why it's really important to kind of release the attachment to the, to the yes and really think about this as playing a doctor, right? Just try to go in and diagnose because you can't sell to everybody is the reality. Yeah, we call it, we call that the, you know, a considered buying process. That's what somebody, yeah. you know, what we're selling, it's complex, it's multifaceted, it's a higher dollar price point. We're not selling widgets on Amazon where somebody just right. needs to do like a couple things of research and then boom, like that buying yeah. journey is so quick and so fast. But 
this one, to your point, like they have to go through this real process and they have to, they have considerations and they have different touch points and they have to think through things and let it sit and they have to get educated. So I think yeah. uh, the analogy of dating is a really strong one, which is, Hey, you know, the, the first impression, the first date, like you're trying to <laughs> yeah. make a great first impression. You're trying to see, is this a fit? Like, do we want to go on a second date? Do we want it? Like, yeah. do you want to book a second meeting? Maybe this person seems a little crazy or you like, you want to just <laughs> say, you know what, I'm going to pass on that opportunity. And, and those are the decisions that save you a lot of headaches down the road. But I would imagine a lot of it comes down to making sure you're listening, like you said, and looking for those cues to either say, yes, I want to continue or no, I want to get out of this as fast as possible. And, and you know, this goes both ways, right? And mm-hmm. this is something that we've talked a little bit about so far, but we're going to talk more about when we talk about the sales process and qualifying. This needs to be a two-way street here, right? Just because someone raises their hand and says, I have a problem, I'd like you to fix it. It doesn't mean that they're going to be your ideal prospect. And so it's really crucial that you recognize where they are in their journey. If someone comes to you, we always talk about the bottom of the funnel, right? Those are the people with the wallets out, ready to put their credit card number in kind of thing. They may not actually be ready. They may not be the right personality fit, and they may not align with how your company is either structured from the type of work that you do how you actually operate, whether you're like a cost plus or a fixed cost builder, maybe that doesn't resonate. One of the other doesn't resonate. People kind of fall into one of two worlds there. But ultimately, you know, it may just not be a good fit. And we can't get blindsided by a little bit. We talked last episode about the Amidala and like kind of that limbic system, that emotional excitement, that up ramp, right? And that's what happens when we get that first, you know, sort of web form or that phone call or something, we get really excited, right? That's just a natural response we all have. And we can't let that overtake kind of our logic center to say, okay, I've got to recognize where this person is. I've got to speak to them into a language that's representative of that and respectful of that. But I also have to respect myself in this position and say, does this client fit with some of the goals that we have for this year, our project schedule, the type of clients that we typically work well with, you know, revenue, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to really process this for yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I feel like uh, I'm starting to, to see where... I don't know, the psychology, the emotional intelligence, like all these things are kind of like undercurrents through this whole process. And they really have a strong ability to impact not only your ability to close sales, but I think to your more recent point is where to turn away, you know, opportunities. And it's okay to not sell to everybody. And I think sometimes we get a lot of ego tied up in what my close rate is or, you know, some of these different things. And at the end of the day, like the close rate probably doesn't really matter if you're closing the right type of projects at the margins you want and hitting your, you know, your goals and your goals may be to stay at a certain revenue level or grow or or whatever. But yeah, Yeah. that's super interesting. Yeah, for sure. And, And you know, a great, a great tie in is like to, you know, the whole concept of close rate and the right clients and all of that is like, we hear a lot of things about gross revenue and we unfortunately use that as a bit of a KPI, right? A key performance indicator and helps me understand as a coach and consultant when I'm getting to know a remodeler or a custom home builder, kind of what stage they're at in their journey, right? But the truth is, is that I've spoken with people that do, you know, multiple seven figures like, or multiple eight figures, I should say, that are barely squeezing out a six figure profit, net profit by the end of the year. And that's just really poor. So ultimately it's a ton of work. And so, you know, just as a complete kind of sidebar conversation, I would say to anybody listening to this, 
If you have aggressive growth goals, that's great. But consider what those growth goals really are. Is it about extracting you know, the right net profit and the right owner's compensation out of that gross revenue? Or is it strictly a gross revenue goal, thinking that if you scale, that you're going to, those other buckets are going to increase? And sometimes what we see is a bit of a diminishing return on that. So really consider that hard when you're, when you're setting your goals. I'm not saying don't set aggressive gross revenue goals because growth is great. Uh, we're, both, we're both in that mode, of course. And so you know, I fully support it, but it's, it's kind of like that controlled growth is really key. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. We just had a um, family business episode air, or we guess we recorded the other day and we talked about that same thing, you know, where you kind of get focused on that top line. And it's not like you're a software company where you're just trying to scale up revenues and show fast growth so that you can go sell. A lot of smaller residential construction businesses don't get sold. You know, they get passed down. and, uh, And so it's really important to focus on profitability, you know, as you're, you're scaling up. So I know we're going, 100%. going all the way down a, a sidebar here, but hey, man, you know, like, these you are all, these are, <laughs> these are all relatable topics. I think for a lot of people listening to this, these are thoughts that you deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. Revenue sounds good, but uh, yeah. Yeah, take, take home is more important. So for what sure. else should we know about with kind of this talking to strangers topic or, or emotional intelligence that we haven't covered? Yeah. So in this kind of last part of today's episode is let's talk about what emotional intelligence really is. And, you know, we've touched on it a little bit. I've kind of teased it in the last episode and throughout today, but really, you know, kind of that concept of emotional intelligence is really being able to kind of almost stand beside yourself and look at the situation. So in other words, like if you think of any movie where there's ghosts involved and you have a person there, but that person is standing outside of it and observing the situation, it's kind of being able to be a little bit less emotional on your, your own and basically being able to read the situation a little bit better. That's the best way I think I could describe it in a simplistic term. And, you know, again, I talked about what is a prospect showing you? What is a human showing you, a stranger? What are they showing you without saying anything? And how do we actually use that to our advantage? So emotional intelligence plays a huge part in business success in general, but especially in that sales process where, as as we said, we have that really tiny window that we've got to capture someone's you know, ability to kind of like and trust us. The no part comes as they get to know us, but because they can't know us in three seconds, right? But that four to seven seconds, five to seven seconds, whatever that range is, right? How do we get them to like and trust us that quickly? And so Again, we talked about some of the things that we can do to prepare properly, be aware of ourselves, be aware of how we project versus how we think we project, all those sorts of things. Your clients are going to show you a lot of things that is very important for you to be able to see. It's why we've been pushing virtual selling. It's why we've been pushing in-person selling for all this time. So because a client will always show you some of these emotions that they, you know, over the phone, you can't see, you can't feel, you can't hear, can't observe kind of thing. Yeah. So a couple of things stood out to me there. One, again, just hitting on again, why it's so important to go watch, you know, the recordings of (laughs) these calls, because you just said, Hey, it's, if we're thinking about emotional intelligence, it's trying to step and sit beside yourself and kind of see what's happening. Well, if you watch, you know, a sales call, you actually get to watch yourself and see what you're doing. And then you get to watch your prospect and you can look for things that you maybe miss. So just wanted to hit on that one again. And then You also have been talking about the first impression. We've got this three to seven seconds. You're going, oh man, like, do I need to tell a joke or what? Like, <laughs> what do I do in this first? You know, uh, but it, it really yeah. got me thinking about this is why, this is why video, uh, why marketing, why social media, why some of these components are so powerful is 
if a prospect can get to see you and watch you on video or hear you on a podcast or see you on social media, see your team, when they get to that sales call, they may have watched three, four, 10 videos of you. They actually yeah. start to feel like they know you before they've actually met you. And 100%. so I think that's a way that you can kind of cheat the system, so to speak. And, you know, maybe you, you buy yourself more than three to seven seconds because they feel like they already kind of know you. Would you sure. agree or disagree with that, Brian? Oh, 100%. And I think a lot of people listening to this are like, you know, maybe they're thinking of, uh, for all those that are familiar with Matt Reisinger, right? He's one of the, you know, I would say one of the top guys doing this, right? His YouTube channel is massive. Um, he's obviously pretty well known. Probably a lot of you listening to this know who he is, especially if you're following this podcast. And so the truth is, is that, you know, a guy like Matt is well known to his prospects, to the people that he builds for before they actually contact him. So I think your point is aptly served. And I think the other side of this is that here we go. Here's some emotional fear response creeping in. Think of the water coming through the foundation. As, yep. as I'm talking, you're thinking, <laughs> okay, great. How do I measure up against Matt Reisinger, right? So again, measuring sticks, right? So you know, again, like you said, you're starting to see some of these like psychological foundation pieces come into play. So this is what I mean. Recognize these things as I'm kind of talking. You see kind of some of the analogies, but done is better than perfect people. That, mm-hmm. That's really what I have to say about this is just start doing it. You have, everyone has to start somewhere. I'm sure if you go back and look at one of Matt's first videos, it was probably pretty awful. Okay. He's a great guy. He's a good speaker and a great presenter and does great videos. But I guarantee you that if you go back and watch his very first series, they probably weren't that good. And so, you know, the reality is, is that you still have a lot to gain to Spencer's point about people being, you know, familiar with you. Heck, this morning, I got a text on Instagram from somebody that's been following me for a while out in British Columbia, beautiful British Columbia in Canada, texted me and said, hey, like, you know, I'm open to, you know, I want to kind of have you as my mentor. Like, how does this work kind of thing? He's been following me for a while, right? I show up on video, I show up on Instagram, I show up on LinkedIn, and he's been following and now he already knows me before actually we've never even spoken on the phone kind of thing. So a case in point is that it gives people kind of that short cycle window into actually knowing you before they get to know you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, this this topic of emotional intelligence is and another one of those where you're going, okay, like a little bit more in the, the science-y realm, less than the, the brain episode we did last time. But you can, hopefully, you know, listening to this, people can start to see those specific scenarios where it comes into play and it's so powerful. Brian, as we wrap this conversation, any final thoughts or anything you want to leave the listeners with before we head into episode four? For sure. Again, you know, as we as we kind of go from the theoretical a little bit more to the literal, you see now you're starting to see some of these foundational blocks that we put into place come into some of the interactions and the situations you find yourself in as a remodeler or a custom home builder. A couple other points I'll mention here is when we talk about the importance of emotional intelligence, it's not just from like say a remote relationship building standpoint, it's also from an ongoing standpoint. And so what do I mean by that? I've worked in a lot of companies where the business owner, the founder is the person that sells the project and they kind of peter out and they disappear. And so some of you, this might resonate for you is that you might hear from your clients that the, the method 
everything that sort of the communication method and the way that, you know, your branding was sold to them kind of gets diluted through the process. In other words, your project managers, site supervisors, or leads and, and, you know, carpenters don't quite speak the same brand message. Right. And so the idea here is that when we talk about the, the power of this emotional intelligence is about being able to walk a client through their entire process, right. And being able to kind of guide them through this and keep them engaged. So, you know, some other tactical tips here is that people are going to say the most truest thing at the end of their rant. So if you listen to me rant on and on and on for two or three minutes, probably the most impactful thing is the thing I say last, um, because we, as humans, we're wired to kind of do that, but we also exhaust ourselves. And then literally we just, the wall comes down and we blurt out whatever it is that, that is coming. It's like, think about being drunk, you know, to go back to the brain episode we did. I like it. We'll call it the brain episode, episode number two. Um, (laughs) We talked about the brain episode. (laughs) You know, generally speaking, our prefrontal cortex, right? Our logic center is in control of our emotions and our inhibitions. As soon as we drink, that gets shut off and our limbic system takes over. It literally gets shut right down the prefrontal. That's why you make dumb decisions when you drink too much. So but uh, so it's just science <laughs> why that happens. Yeah. 100%. It, it is actually, I, I, I went to school for kinesiology for sports medicine. And ironically, I landed in construction somehow. But, um, you yeah. know, we talk, we, we learned all about the physiology of what happens to you when you when you drink. So those are those are from college days long time ago. But, uh, you know, just like we're talking about with how the prefrontal cortex shuts down, limbic system takes over when you're drunk. Same sort of thing happens in a very micro scale when people are talking, right? They'll end up saying the most truest thing at the end. So coming back to when we said observe and kind of, you know, just listen to what people are saying, hear what they're saying is let them speak, let them exhaust themselves. We're going to talk about a very powerful thing in next episode, which is probably one of the most important sales tips that I'm going to give you in this mini series. I'm not going to talk about it yet. Yeah, um, leave so. those breadcrumbs. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you got it exactly. <laughs> but you know, again, we talked about recognizing, you know, where people are, who they are, and who you are, and just really being reflective and making sure. We always talk about dropping the emotional baggage. Your clients know that you have other clients or other prospects, but it's super important that you drop that baggage and you become the person that you need to for that person in that moment. So it's pulling all these little different things together. Maybe another analogy for people that have kids here is that. You know, I think we know that when kids are like around the age of two, they play beside each other. They don't actually play together kind of thing. And as a parent, you stand, you know, if you're there with friends and, and their kids, you watch how they actually don't interact together so much. They really play beside each other kind of thing. So think of that concept when we're talking about emotional intelligence and being able to sit beside it and observe the situation. It's kind of like that, if, if that resonates for any parents here. And really, I'll sum it up by saying that the goal of emotional intelligence is to basically be able to observe, to read and react, to give a client the illusion that they're in control, even though you are literally guiding them through this whole emotional journey that they're going on, whether it's again, in the sales process or continuing through into the build. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's a good analogy. And I think it makes the case for, again, going back and watching the Zoom meetings, you know, trying to just build up that practice there. And uh, I'm excited for the next conversation because I think that's where we will see it, you know, when we get into sales process and how it really all starts to play out. So thanks again, Brian, for episode three. And for everybody listening, make sure you tune back in. We'll be back next week with episode four. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the mini series so far. Awesome stuff, that episode from Brian. I thought one of the most powerful takeaways from this conversation was to keep asking questions and that people say the truest thing at the end of their rants. So 
Just let them keep talking. I also thought the concept of breadcrumbs was super powerful. So listen closely to what people are saying and the exact words and phrases so you can repeat those back to them. All right, guys, I'm excited for episode four. So stay tuned and we'll see you back here when we dive into the sales process next episode.